The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 228. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a time lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Braveheart team. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding. Position universe. Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Hello, I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Ta-da! She'll be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 11th Doctor story, The God Complex. And joining me today on the panel are Father Cory Stika. Hi, Father Cory. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Worst episode ever. (laughs) (laughs) Since the last worst episode ever. That's just Jimmy's opinion. This is the worst episode ever. Is not necessarily well. Actually, it's my opinion too. So, <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. gonna say I don't know if it's worse, but it's it's down there. Anyway, before we get to the the very entertaining discussion of how bad this episode is, let's remind the listeners: be sure to write an Apple Podcast review of Secrets of Doctor Who if you can. We really appreciate that. That helps us a lot. And to share the podcast with your friends, help us grow our community of listeners, reach more Doctor Who fans. Uh, all right, so let's get into it. <laughs> Let me give you a recap of this of this episode, and then we can talk about why uh, uh, we variously do not like it. Uh, the Doctor and Amy and Rory are headed to another planet when they show up in what looks like a 1980s hotel on Earth. They encounter four people who tell them that it's a labyrinth with no exits that also reconfigures itself randomly. The, they tell them that there are rooms with fears in them, and everyone has a room with a fear dedicated to them or a fear personal to them. Once you find your room, you start involuntarily worshipping the creature that lives in the hotel, which is a minotaur-like creature that comes and kills you once you are worshipping it. One by one, the humans they've met are killed off, while the doctor figures out that it's not fear that the creature feeds on, but faith, and the fears are what make people fall back on their faith. And just in time, the doctor figures out that it's Amy's faith in him that makes her vulnerable, so he breaks her faith. The creature is allowed to die because it's always wanted to die. It doesn't really want to kill. And it reveals that the hotel is an alien prison that had been created for the creature. In the end, the Doctor drops off Amy and Rory on Earth to because they're no longer going to be regular companions and to save them. And he goes off alone back into the universe. So an overall downer of an episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it, interesting. Well, we'll get to the leaving them as companions at the end. But it's an interesting uh, fake out that they're doing here on this. Well, so you know, what the, I did discover my greatest fear watching this episode. <laughs> having to ever watch this episode again. Yes, we've done it. It's done. We're not doing it anymore. <laughs> it is a Toby so, Whithouse episode, which I think we kind of generally don't like what he produces. I would say that's a fair generality. I'd say Vampires of Venice was better. Mm-hmm. His best yeah. is School Reunion, where Sarah yeah. Jane okay. Smith comes back. Yeah. I forgot that he yeah. wrote that one. So yeah. but he's also got some real stinkers. like Oh, A one. Town Called Mercy. Ugh. Yeah. So... Toby Whithouse seems to have this idea or this um, 
recurring theme in, in the ones he writes about leaving the doctor leaving companions to save them. Uh, he just seems to really like this idea. I know I said we'd talk about the end, but that, since we're talking about Toby Whithouse. So that's an interesting thing that keeps coming up in his his writing. I just thought I'd mention it here. But um, let's talk this episode itself. It has overtones of The Shining oh, yes. and, and the Overlook Hotel and The Shining. It's it's the Greek myth of the Minotaur and the Labyrinth, although mm-hmm. uh, in this case, it's not Icarus and his dad. Daedalus. Thank you. Flying close to the sun in the, with the wings to escape, so on and so forth. So it, that's really, you know, it's a what if the Doctor encountered the Minotaur in, in the Labyrinth sort of situation. Yeah, so so let me start by praising this episode because okay. <laughs> if it if it weren't for a couple of things, this would actually be good. This is this has a bunch of effectively creepy stuff. The Shining is the Shining references are mm-hmm. are are there and The Shining is a very creepy movie and this is creepy. It's it's well made in some respects. The problems are on the conceptual level primarily. It's not on the craft level. The dialogue is reasonable. The there are some funny lines in it. The overall idea of you're trapped in this evil hotel, which and and people are dying one by one. I mean that's all fine. And so on, and there's a lot of individually creepy things. Like uh, there's one character named John who's tied up, and and the doctor says, "What's he doing?" No, no, no. He's he's tied up. He's literally tied up. And when they <laughs> right. when they go see him, he's tied up in like a not a ballroom, but a, um, like a dining a room, r- dining yeah. room and yeah. seated at all of the tables are these mannequins, these dummies, you know, ventriloquist mm-hmm. dummies. And ventriloquist dummies are creepy because they fall in the uncanny valley. And these ones, yeah. you know, are just laughing for no reason. And then they all stop when the characters come in and their heads turn and you hear the yeah. wood cre- creaking as yep. they turn their heads. Uh, especially that's creepy. Of, that's all effectively <laughs> creepy. So, you know, that the, on the craft level, this is just fine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I would, yeah, I, the, the, the ventriloquist dummies that move on their own is at the high level of everybody's creep factor. Yeah. Uh, well, another thing I liked was the, so of the three people that the, the four people they encounter at first in the hotel, there is this uh, Rita. She's a, although it's sort of, I don't know. The, She's the, a nurse. I have a prop. Uh, yeah, well, she's a medical student, I think, and mm. she's a medical student who's ethnic. I think probably of of uh, of Pakistani uh, origin. Pakistani origin, yeah. Um, who is very capable when the doctor first meets her? That sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Like, why are we yeah. recreating Martha Jones? <laughs> it's very it's very strange. Uh, and she's you know very capable. The doctor immediately wants to take her on as a companion, which we know, of course, dooms her to to die in this episode. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I and one of my memories from the first time I saw this, I, I've seen this like twice now. Mm-hmm. I saw it when mm-hmm. it first came out, and I rewatched it for this. And I was so I was very actually tempted not to rewatch it for this once I got into it because I hate it so much. But <laughs> I I then said no, okay, I'll I'll stick it out. Someone has to warn the children against this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that stuck in my memory from the first time I saw it was. As soon as he meets Rita, the doctor says, Amy, with regret, you're fired. And right. I didn't like that. No. Later, she, there's a reference. She, she says that she thinks that her theory of what's going on, because the characters they meet have different theories about what's mm-hmm. happening. 
and her theory is they're in hell. And she, but she uses an Islamic word for hell. And the doctor says, you're Muslim. And she says, don't be frightened. And mm. that was a little ambiguous to me. I mean, I get the humor. This was not too long post 9-11. Right. Decade. And for a, for, mm-hmm. for a Western audience that had been victimized by Muslim terrorism, it was even less after uh, the British... 7-Eleven attacks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's something that actually, uh, that line I have uh, some sympathy for. Because if I were a Muslim in Britain and people were scared of me just because I was a Muslim, you know, there would be an impulse to say something like that. Hmm. At the same, and it's, so it's kind of got a mix of authentic human emotion there. Um, both on the part of the person saying it and on the part of the person hearing it. And also, but it's also played, you know, I mean, ostensibly for comedy. Mm-hmm. And we do find those situations in life where we say something that's true as if it were a joke, you know, as, right. as kind of cover for being able to say an uncomfortable truth. Take the sting out is yeah. the, uh, probably the, yeah. That's true. Yeah. There there is like you said there is some some good some good lines, some good dialogue, some bits in in here and there, but it yeah, it doesn't cover for the the flaws. I also like there's a character who looks kind of like a mole man. Mm-hmm. He's from a the planet Tivoli, which is the most invaded planet in the galaxy and so his race is built around surrender. Yes. Yeah. They will surrender. They have a compulsive need to surrender to everybody. And their like national anthem is "All Hail the Conquering." Insert name here. <laughs> and, <laughs> and one of their current projects on their planet is to line their roadways with trees so their conquerors will be able to march in the shade. Yes, and <laughs> and you know this is this is a clever concept. This, I mean, it's it's completely unrealistic, but it's clever and it's funny. And in in another episode, I'd be happy to learn more about these people. Yeah. And, and although it's interesting, the, the one thing I like is how uh, Whithouse writes it, where the doctor says that the the surrender aspect makes people overlook that the, the surrender isn't just isn't cowardly; it's sly and aggressive. You know that mm-hmm. there's this that that uh, Gibbous, I think his name is, uh, uses the the this this fear, this wanting to surrender, as a way to uh, push others ahead of them, sort of you know push. Push other people uh, off the cliff before them to to hide behind his fear and his his cowardice, and, and, uh, that sort of thing, and to, to protect themselves at any you know in, at any cost. I mean, at the cost of right. of surrendering, but it's not surrendering for the sake of oh, we're just going to give up and lay down. No, it's like we're going to protect ourselves by you know path of least resistance for us. Right, and he's mm-hmm. the one who ends up you know causing the 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 fourth member of this group that they encounter, Howie. He basically causes him to die uh, by releasing him once he's been infected, and uh, so so that, I should mention. So we have the nerdy paranoid blogger Howie, the uh, the doctor uh, Rita, and the alien surrender monkey Gibbous, and Joe the gambler, uh, who is the first right. guy they encounter. And when Joe dies, so we don't see the what the minotaur creature does to people. You know, we, we we just know that he kills them, and there doesn't seem to be visible wounds. And the the doctor says there's no cause. All his vital organs simply stopped, as if the simple spark of life, his loves and hates, his faiths and fears were just taken. 
and that's where I start to encounter my one of my problems with this episode is like this idea the the mechanism by which the creature feeds and kills this mm-hmm. like it it feeds like it it doesn't seem to make any sense this feeding on faith and that it has well, to transfer the faith to itself and it's really and well, weird and, it, and it's it's such a loose sense of the word faith at least as we would understand as Catholics yeah you know it's 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 more of a sure um confidence support confidence yeah. that's a good yeah that's a good word you know because the, the kind of one of the parts of this episode surround amy losing her faith in the doctor right. well that's not what we would consider faith that would be you know a strong confidence right relationship but, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 by the way we, we've seen that before yes where the doctor has made a companion lose her faith right it was ace with the seventh doctor yep they were they were okay. fighting off vampires Herbivore. From the future. From the future. And faith, it wasn't like, and there's actually a line from that episode where it's not the crucifix that keeps vampires away. It's the faith of the person holding the crucifix. Except yeah. in so the, the real vampire novels, it is the crucifix itself. It's yeah, not the faith exactly. of the person using <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> right. But the, but the doctor wants this vampire to come in, and faith's, or Ace's faith in the doctor is keeping the vampire away. So he does, he, and he destroys her. I mean, it's like, yeah. you're a worthless child. You're nothing. And just absolutely destroys her faith in him. So it's the same basic plot though. Yeah. So we're kind of, um, we're kind of jumping to one of my main criticisms of this episode, but I, I, I'll save my comments on that for later. For the moment, I don't mind the fact that they that the people just die. Mm-hmm. That part of it, you know, you find earlier in the episode where you know someone has been infected by this weird psychological state, and then they just end up dead. And you have this buildup of this thing is coming for them, and then suddenly they're just dead, and there's no apparent explanation. I think that works on the horror level. I don't, as mm-hmm. a horror viewer, I don't need an explanation for exactly how this is happening. When they try to give us one later in the episode, that's where I have problems with it. But I, I think it might help if we talked a little bit more about the mechanics of how this happens. And they clue that to us at the very beginning of the episode, because we see somebody from a previous cycle in this hotel. Her name on screen is Lucy Hayward. In the original script, and she's like a police officer, and she has been infected already. She's the last one of her group to succumb, and so she's holding out on her own, and she eventually does succumb, and we see how that happens. In the script, her name was Lucy Miller, and they changed it because Lucy Miller is a famous companion of the eighth doctor, Paul McGann's doctor in the audio mm. plays. He, Lucy comes after Charlie. And so uh, it was interesting to see Big Finish having an impact on the TV show in that Mm -hmm. way, even though it wasn't obvious to the audience that's what was happening. But we learned from her that there's a room for everybody in this ever-changing hotel, which is, by the way, notice it's kind of an evil TARDIS. Yeah. It does things like the TARDIS, only rearranging itself internally, only it's evil and twisted. And so there's a room for everybody, and when you see what's in your room, it has the thing you're most afraid of, and you don't know what that thing is going to be until you see it, 
but then once you see it, it's like, oh, it could never have been anything else. Mm-hmm. And that's the moment at which you're infected. And mm-hmm. so that uh, conceptually, I think, is fine. That's a scary concept. That's a useful horror concept. Mm-hmm. In the execution, I think it's kind of mixed. Like in one room, in Lucy's room, she goes into the room, and you're kind of compelled when you find your room to go into it. There's like a psychological compulsion. Mm-hmm. And and when she goes into her room, it's a gorilla. It's a guy in a gorilla suit who chases her. And that's her worst fear. And she explains in voiceover that she was like terrified of this gorilla she read about in a book. And that's what's haunted her all her life. And I don't think that's particularly effective. I think, yes, a kid could have an irrational fear of of a gorilla like this. That's fine. But I don't think it's going to be the person's deepest fear. Mm. And especially not into adulthood. I think the fears are going to be more profound. I think they do a little bit better when they show us Howie's fear. Uh, Howie is the nerdy blogger who thinks everything is a CIA conspiracy. And he sees a group of young women in a room and they they're chatting among themselves and then they notice him and start denigrating him mm-hmm. so his fear is being humiliated by the opposite sex and okay that's better that's better than the gorilla you know someone in his time of life mm-hmm. could have that as rejection by the opposite sex is their deepest fear okay that at least that's better i don't know that it's really the root primal fear for anybody. I, I think anybody can probably think of scarier things than that, but then they can't all show us existential horror in every room. You know, they <laughs> right. need to vary that a little bit. Another room has weeping angels, and it wasn't clear to me whose fear the weeping angels were. They kind of fake us out, making us think it's Amy at first, but then it turns out it's not her. Although Gibbous? she does have a strong reaction to the weeping angels. Yeah, it's supposed to be Gibbous, I guess, but I'm not sure why. Then it's not explained. Yeah, because yeah. he doesn't he doesn't seem to have a particular connection to them that they show mm-hmm. us anyway. And we also get to see kind of the doctor's room too, because he opens the door to a darkened room, and we see his. We get an extreme close up of his eye. And we hear the cloister bell sounding, and he says, of course, who else? And later, mm-hmm. they're going to reveal what that is. In the day of the doctor... Time of the doctor. Time of the doctor, it's yep. revealed that what he sees is a crack in time. And mm-hmm. when he says, oh, of course, who else? He's referring to the Time Lords, which would, right. which would make his greatest fear the Time Lords, which I don't really buy. Because by that point in his arc, I mean, maybe, well, maybe by that point in his arc, he's gotten over his fear of the Time Lords, but it's hard to think of them as his greatest fear. I mean, I mean wouldn't the companion death yeah. would be bigger in my mind. I was going to say, I mean, they demonstrate over and over that the doctors at his worst, the thing he hates the most is being without a companion and being alone. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would think it would be something like that. Yeah. But That's right. Ru- I figured it was himself, but. Yeah. Of course, it was room number 11, of course. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so the idea is that there's this, and that they eventually put together, is there's this creature in the hotel, which is a minotaur, 
And they they link it to Classic Who by saying it's a relative of the Nyman, which is uh, from the episode Horns of the Nyman, even though the Nyman have nothing to do with this. They mm. look kind of minotaur-like, but they they just shoot people with rays from their horns. They don't feed on fear. But apparently, the minotaur feeds on faith, and the idea is, but it it has to be faith in a certain state. Mm-hmm. It's not just any faith. And so, what the minotaur does, it's been imprisoned by a group of people it used to terrify, and. It, but they didn't kill it, which is, of course, what you do with something like this. You just kill it. But mm-hmm. instead, they've imprisoned it on this spaceship and allowed it to victimize other people and given it the ability to teleport other people to victimize, which makes no sense. So here's where the logic is starting to fall apart. And what it does is it confronts you with your greatest fear, forcing you to fall back on your faith whatever faith you have, not specifically religious faith. The doctor is clear, makes that very clear. It can be other things. So in the case of John, the gambler, he has faith in luck. And in the case of Howie, he has faith in his conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. And in the case of Amy, she has faith in the doctor. And by eliciting an act of faith to deal with your fear, the, it 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 brings your faith to the for, to the forefront of your consciousness, and that's when the Minotaur can start shaping it and twisting it into a worship of itself. So one of the recurring phrases in this episode is "Praise him." And so the characters, after they've been infected, will start at first. It's just occasionally, but they'll say "Praise him," kind of like uh, Amy counting down. In a previous episode, it's just randomly mm-hmm. slipped in, and then when they're f- and and we'll get these reaction shots that are jump cuts between or rapid cuts between the person looking scared and horrified and looking ecstatic, you know, like they're caught up in a religious rapture, and then eventually, when their faith is sufficiently mature, the minotaur psych- psychically feeds on them, and they're just dead. Mm-hmm. And so one of the problems with this is it's stupid. This is one of the big one of the big problems not not the biggest, but one of the biggest problems I have with this is this is just dumb because they've defined faith so broadly that mm-hmm. the concept has become incoherent. Rory it turns out has faith in nothing. Nothing at yeah. all. Uh, Absolutely uh, nothing. Okay, I'm sorry. No, Rory, <laughs> if you've defined faith this broadly so it's not religious Everybody has to have faith in order to be able to function in life. Rory has faith in the laws of gravity. Rory has faith in the laws of chemistry. Rory has faith in the laws of medicine. Everybody has this general confidence in various things in order to function in life. And there's no rational criterion to distinguish faith in the law of gravity versus luck in gambling or everything's a CIA conspiracy theory. In fact, I would say that with Howie and John and Rory, all three of them have more faith in the law of gravity than they do these other superficial things. I would even say if if Amy has faith in the doctor enough for this to be called faith, Rory has repeatedly demonstrated faith his, in Amy. Faith, faith in Amy. Two thousand years. Two thousand yeah. years he waited. That yeah, is faith. Exactly. <laughs> 
So, yeah, that was dumb, dumb, dumb. That's one of the things I really disliked about was Rory do- Rory's just sort of doesn't matter at all in, 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 that, in that sense. It's like, oh, we have to have Rory here, so we're, you know, we're just going to say he doesn't have faith, and therefore we don't really need to have him do anything. Although Rory does get one good line, mm-hmm. uh, which <laughs> is yeah, when he talks about Howie after Howie's dead, and he just he he finds out I forget what it is he says uh, he must have talked to Howie he says uh, oh he just gone through therapy to get over a stammer and he says not all victories are about saving the universe and I'm like yes and mm-hmm. in, in new who we we have acknowledgement that we can have small victories over things that aren't about saving the universe well, so and there's a, there's another line actually with with Howie and Rory where Howie's going on about this the CIA thing and they're in Norway and this is where they you know they smuggle people mm-hmm. away the U.S. government smuggle people away and all that. And Rory just says, amazing, you've come up with a theory even more insane than what's really happening. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that so was there are some good. good lines, but yeah, and, I mean. And Howie's <clears throat> not wrong about doomsday shelters in Norway. I mean, that is where the global seed vault is. Right, right. Yep. Yeah. We um, also have them here in the United States as well for our. Yeah. Raven yeah. Spread it out. Spread it out. Uh, so uh, one, of the, one of the things that comes up is the title of the episode is The God Complex. And then on the surface level. The God complex is the Minotaur is like a god who's who is seeking faith, and the mm-hmm. complex is the hotel. But Rita makes it more personal, and she identifies the doctor as having a God complex, or we might say a savior complex, where he feels the need to save everyone and, and do everything. Which is, in one sense, well, yeah, but that's because he's the most capable. <laughs> you know, he has he's he's lived for longer. He's got the knowledge and technology and all that sort of stuff. So uh, I'm not sure what they were getting at with this like this whole thing i can see this being part of the you know the oncoming storm and all that you know ego stuff that carried over from the 10th doctor where you know the the doctor is the most important person in the room just ask him type of thing you know i guess it might also be given that he has a god complex that she identifies and it's amy's faith in him that endangers her and so you know she sort of worships He's her, her, I don't know, her god in a small G sense. Um, yeah. I, I, I guess maybe that's what the, we're sort of getting at there. I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's just to oh. knock him down a notch. Yeah. That's the way and, I took it. And, and I'm fine with knocking the doctor down a notch. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. The, the thing, and this is my big problem with this, the, my biggest, beyond the stupidity, is this... This and, and, and this, there may be more than one criticism here, but but basically, I find it sick and horrific the way this episode twists people's faith. Because mm-hmm. even if they say, "Oh, faith can be anything; it can be in CIA theories and gambling and blah blah blah," they're playing it as if it's religious. You know, mm-hmm. this is they when when they're doing the praise him thing, and we see the. Mm-hmm the rapid cuts between horror and rapture that's they're, they're that's religious they're they're playing it as if it's religious faith and this is if you are a religious person the thought of faith being twisted in this way is horrific and i was horrified not in the i can consume horror fiction sense but i just mm-hmm. am utterly repulsed by taking what someone holds sacred and twisting it in this way. And I don't want to see that done even in fiction. I don't want to see it done to a Muslim. I don't want to see it done to a Jew. I don't want to see it done to a Christian. I don't want to see it done to anybody. Mm -hmm. Because whatever people hold most sacred 
should be respected and treated as sacred by other people. I mean, not in the sense of I believe in it, but in the sense of I understand, okay, let's say you're a Hindu. I understand the reverence you have for your gods, and mm-hmm. I, I have reverence for, for the Christian God, and I would want you to respect that, and I therefore should treat your beliefs with equal respect, even in fiction. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't take the Hebrew, the Hindu deities, and have you have them killing you in this weird evil god rapture way. That's mm-hmm. that would be disgusting and horrifying to a Hindu. It would be disgusting and horrifying to anybody, anybody of faith. So what this shows us is that the writer is not applying the golden rule, and mm-hmm. there's one he's he's doing something that's a fundamental violation of the audience or at least the religious people in the audience. And that suggests that he himself, Toby Whithouse, I don't know if he is or not, but the way the episode is written strongly suggests he is not religious. And therefore, he's. if you look at what happens in this episode, we've essentially got an evil god plot, where the god of the episode, the Minotaur, is evil. And it's not just any God. I mean, this is not a glowing being in a robe with a beard or anything. This is a goat-hoofed, hairy-legged, horned man thing, okay? Mm. You can't get much more satanic than that. Mm. And so we have these people on, on the emotional, iconographic level, we have these people being forced to worship the devil in rapture, and then he kills them and eats their souls. And mm-hmm. I, that is sick and disgusting and certainly does not belong in a family show. Also, this is an atheistic fantasy because the ultimate solution is to kill the evil, hairy, goat man demon by cutting off faith. So losing faith is the solution to the dilemma posed by the evil, satanic, horned god man thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and to top it off, we also elicit sympathy for the evil, satanic, horned man god thing yeah. uh, as a, a poor creature on its own that we f- we're supposed to feel sympathy for in the yeah, end was, as well. It was trapped to this. It was trapped into doing this. It, had no, it wanted to stop, but it couldn't. And, you know, and of course, Jim, you mentioned that, you know, religious faith, that this is an assault to religious faith. I mean, they go out of their way to explicitly put a religious person in, at least someone who's culturally Muslim, you know, Mm -hmm. whether or not they actually are. We don't know she practices, she did the prayers or anything like that, but she's explicitly Muslim. And that's not a, that's not a uh, culture. It's a religion. Yeah. And I, I totally buy her line uh, where she's, she knows she's been infected. She knows she's about to die. The doctor is watching her over the hotel TV, you know, closed circuit TV system. And she tells him to stop. She says, I want to be robbed of my faith in private. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like, absolutely. I don't want to see this on the screen either. This is totally meta. And I agree with you. I don't want this on my screen. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny that they would put that in there. And and like as if acknowledging that what they're doing is bad. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird. And and the, the when the doctor tries to break Amy's faith in him, it's it's completely unconvincing. Like it it like it, why would I'm a jerk? I'm unreliable. I'm vain. 
oh, I have no more faith in you, doctor. After all of the experiences we've had, suddenly I have no faith in you. Like, it's just seven crushing ace is played better. Yeah. 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 That's much more convincing. I mean, he he turns her into an ant and steps on her. It's pretty bad. Right. They also, you know, it's very materialistic in the sense of faith is an energy. It's a specific emotional energy. The creature needs to, yeah. So it's, it's very materialistic, very not, you know, yeah, it, it, it posits a worldview in which faith is not a, a, a real, the spiritual is not real, that there is, there, there, we live in an, a, a universe without God. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. It is, it, it, as we talk about, yeah, this may actually be the worst episode of Talk To Who uh, overall, for those reasons that you mentioned, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's. Yeah, and, um, and and I, you know, I don't like to overread into things. You know, uh, there's a, I saw a quote once by uh, the uh, Catholic uh, fantasy novelist Tim Powers, where he was on a panel, and uh, uh, one of the other panelists was saying, "Well, the novel Dracula is really about the uh, repressed fears of Victorian women," and Tim's <laughs> response was, "No, no, it's about a guy who drinks blood so he can live forever." I mean, don't believe me? Read it, you know. <laughs> and I, 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 so I, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, of taking things on surface value and not overly reading deep meanings into them. Yeah. But in this case, it's explicitly about religion, you know, yeah. and so yeah. that just tells us, okay, so analyze the iconography in terms of religion, and we've got this evil goat man demon thing that people are worshiping against their will, and then it kills them. And the solution to the whole thing is losing your faith so that the God can die. And it's, okay, this is not overanalyzing. This is just what's there. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's no coincidence that uh, some of Toby Whithouse's, you know, uh, his episodes, some of his episodes are among the worst of Doctor Who, Modern Hue. So, yeah, I think that it's it's clear. Yeah, so part of of why I I say this is the worst episode ever is, even though it's not badly made, oh, no. it's because it's offensive. Mm. It's unlike anything else. I mean, Doctor Who can take on political subjects and has since the since the beginning. You know, especially in the third Doctor's time, we had some political stories. And you can agree or disagree. There can be stories that are very slow moving. There can be stories that are badly made. But this is this is the one that I find absolutely offensive. And there've been stories where that dealt with religion and dealt with it either poorly or 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 not not poorly. But those are not offensive, even the ones that dealt with religion poorly or that we've disagreed with how they did it. But I, I see what you're saying, Jimmy. This this really t- is offensive in in the way that it just it it completely crushes the idea of religion. It completely dismisses it. Uh, the idea of faith, uh, real faith, right. and yeah, I, I could see that. I agree with you. And in a way that isn't fair-handed, because it's not about crushing people's faith in the law of gravity or stuff right. like that. It's specifically religious faith. Even though they have dodges about gambling and conspiracy theories, it's really religious faith that's at the center of this. Right. It'd be one thing if it was interesting if they'd done it like if, if it was about superstition, like you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, believing in luck or believing you know, or or superstition about the black cat and broken mirrors and all that sort of stuff. That would be a different sort of story where if it was if it lived off of people's superstitions uh, and beliefs yeah. and myths and that sort of thing and that might that that might have actually worked uh, uh, better but uh, they had a 
you know, something they you wanted to do. Different. Could have had an episode filled with you know 1930s and 40s universal horror iconography. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there, there's a scene at the end which sort of it feels almost like tacked on. Oh, not in the sense of like it's poorly done, but this I is, think it is a, tacked a, on. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think it's to advance the the overall arc of the series mm-hmm. that that this is a uh, Stephen Moffat addition to the to the story yeah. is how it feels where the doctor brings brings Amy and Rory to London present day quote unquote present day of of that of that time and gives them a house and a car which Rory's favorite car like he's of some uh, it's I mean a the red doctor, convertible sporty yeah, red convertible nice nice classic jag and uh, he's going to leave them there, and he's uh, and he says, "I'm not leaving forever. I'll be back." And he does come back, you know. But their their time as a couple living in the TARDIS is over. That's that's mm-hmm. that's clear at this point. And uh, he says, "You know, I'm doing this to save you." And I guess this experience has convinced him that, despite all the other dangers that they've survived, this was mm-hmm. the one that's convinced him that he needs to leave them behind. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it is a harrowing experience. I mean, it, and early on, he's after John dies, John is the first to die. He says, nobody, nobody else dies today, really. And, and it's like, okay, then everybody dies everybody except dies. the, except the yep. primary companions. And, oh, and the mole guy. He also gets yep. to yep. live. Yeah. Mole man lives. But so it, it, you can say, well, why would this one be the one? Well, maybe because it's the worst episode ever. <laughs> but, but I don't think that's their reason. But if the doctor is at some point going to say, I'm going to put you all off the TARDIS for your own safety, it would be after a dangerous incident where lots of people die. Mm. Has he ever left like companions by setting themselves up, setting them up with a house and a car and, and you know, a life? Not, a, not in the TV yeah. series. Okay. All right. Um, it's a, and sometimes he's actually left them off in the wrong place yes. instead of their house. <laughs> that Sarah happened Jane. to Sarah Jane. Yeah, <laughs> this isn't even Oops. Croydon. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, okay. So now there there is kind of a spo- I don't know if it was an, an intentional spoiler on Stephen Moffat's part or it was just a clever line that he ended up playing out. But he says to Amy, "What do you want me standing over your grave?" And of course, right. that's exactly what he does after. They get zapped to the past with the weeping angels. He's standing over their grave. Right. I, I, I should mention, so in Classic Who, he didn't have many opportunities to set up companions with a comfortable life in this way because he didn't have good control of the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. He, couldn't, he couldn't just point it where it, it, he wants it to go and have it get there reliably. Mm. But he did, uh, he, he would try to arrange good drop-off points for for companions like victoria for example ends up with you know this similar kind of family that can take care of her in the second doctor's mm-hmm. time right right yeah mel going off with <laughs> well that was, mel's, that was mel's choice that wasn't <laughs> yeah. the doctor <laughs> no, yeah, yeah 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 in fact i think uh doesn't i we haven't i haven't seen it yet but perry ends up in a bad Place oh too, yeah, we're Perry coming is, to that one here soon. We're very <laughs> soon. That's our next sixth Doctor. The original Perry ending is something to see. Yeah, <laughs> don't spoil a, yourself if you haven't yet, Dom. Yeah. I I won't. I'll save myself from from, from seeing that. 
All right. Anything left to say about this episode? I think that we've said a lot. Anything well, left, Father? You Corey? know, I will one say about the doctor. He does have a little bit of style because the house is TARDIS blue. <laughs> At least right. the door is. The door is. Yeah, yeah. Light blue with TARDIS blue. Um, yeah, I think that. I think Jimmy pretty much said everything that needed to be said about this one. <laughs> okay. I mean, it, ugh. Jimmy, anything? How do how do I hate thee? Let me count the ways. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. All right, let's uh, wrap things up. I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Pat S., Joseph S., Father Terrence D., Anusha M., and Nate F. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. What did you think of the God Complex? Do you have a different opinion, or uh, has your opinion been changed by the things that we talked about today? Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com, or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or send us an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time, when we'll be going right back to the first Doctor's time. We're going to be discussing the web planet. Yay! (laughs) What a great palate cleanser after this. (laughs) (laughs) Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Good riddance. (laughs) Father Corey Stiga, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, she'll say that we can't accept it because it's too extravagant and we'll always feel a crippling sense of obligation. It's a risk I'm willing to take. Right. This is going to be fun.